So we're going to see today the evidence or the fruit of fellowship. Remember, 1 John started with an invitation. The first few verses are an invitation from God to say, I would love for you to have fellowship with me. The disciples had fellowship with me. They were my best friends. They walked with me, talked with me, touched me, handled me, all that. And I'm inviting you into the same thing. And then, and then we, uh, talked to, we started talking about walking in the light and what that looks like. You, um, talking about how God wants uh, to, us to grow in that salvation, what that in- invitation to relationship looks like is you're gonna, just going to walk with me in the light. And today we're going to talk about what the evidence or the fruit of that fellowship or the walking in the light looks like. What does it look like when we walk with God? So our scripture is First uh, John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. First John 2, verses 3 through 6, and it says, Now by this we know that we know him. Oh, so John is going to give us an answer right away to the question of, how do I know if I know him? Now, are you saved if you know who Jesus is? No, you have to actually know him, right? When we're, when we're out there evangelizing, because I know every night you guys go out and go to door-to-door evangelizing. Um, <laughs> when you do that, <laughs> we're not trying to spread information. Uh, I mean, there's part of it that's got an information aspect, but we're, it's not that we're out there trying to share what the gospel is that people aren't going to get saved by just knowing information. We are trying to introduce them introduce them to a person um, who has died for them and who lives in an unseeable place. But yet his spirit dwells in me. So if I'm trying to introduce someone who doesn't know him, the easiest way for them to understand what he's like and what he's done is by observing me. That's the best way for evangelism, is when you walk up and you are full of sadness and sorrow. And you're super serious about everything. And you say, you need to repent. It is so much better when you repent. I'm being ultra sarcastic if you don't understand. That is not the way to introduce him. Jesus was never really like that. Um, It says in Hebrews that Jesus was anointed with the joy of the oil of joy more than his companions, which means, it's just a fancy way of saying, Jesus was the happiest person to ever live. Always happy. You know, he, it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. Now, was the cross fun? No. Obviously, it was the most pain that anyone ever has endured, and, and then the wrath of the Father was on top of that, the worst thing ever. But even through that, you know what he was thinking about? I'm getting married. I'm getting married. My bride is on the other side of this. Adam had a bride taken out of his side, and pretty soon I'm going to die, and my bride is going to come out, and then I'm going to come alive, and then my bride's going to come alive, and I get to meet her finally. Right now she's been hidden inside me for all these millennia and all of eternity. The church was hidden inside of him, and he had to die for that church to come out and that Holy Spirit to be able to be given to men and now we have been made the bride of Christ just like Eve was made uh, from Adam. Uh, a trick question for you can mess with your friends. Say, hey, when was Eve created? When was Eve created? And they'll say, well, hmm. 
and they'll give you all kinds of answers. And then you say, trick question, fool. <laughs> Eve was never created. She was formed out of, out of men. Um, she was made, she was formed on the eighth day or some day after that, I don't know, but pretty soon after the creation. And God had already said he was done creating on the sixth day. So he's not going to create anything else. So then you ask him, well, when was the church created? And they'll be like, oh, they'll give you all kinds of questions. Oh, he was at this day or so that. And then you're like, trick question, fool. <laughs> I'm feisty tonight. And uh, you say, well, here's the cool thing about the church. The church was never created either. The church is as eternal as God because what makes the church the church is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is eternal. So um, I don't know how I got into that rabbit trail. I have no idea. <laughs> By this, we know that we know him. He says, okay, so now he's going to give us what it is. If you need assurance that you're going to heaven, he says, if we keep his commands. All right, so obviously that means you have to do everything right, never make a mistake, or you're going to hell. Right? No, say no. Say no. Thank you. Say no. <laughs> That's not what that means. But um, there are churches that teach that. There are pastors that teach that. There are um, very legalistic people that that is exactly how. And you know what? I'm one of them sometimes. Sometimes I read this verse and my heart automatically goes to, I have to keep the commands better. I have to do more. Or I have to try harder. Because my heart is infected with this horrible disease called self-sufficiency. And anytime I see a challenge, my heart is like, <gasps> try it. You could try. And this horrible disease God is, is, is uh, destroying by prayer and by the gospel in my life and uh, in your lives too. Um, whenever we say, oh, if he keeps, if we keep his commands and instantly our mind goes, okay, I need to keep his commands better. I need to do follow all the rules. Let's keep going. We'll, we'll correctly interpret this tonight. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. Oh, the devil uses that in our lives, doesn't he? How many times have you read that and be like, I am in big trouble? Now you have one of two personalities. Either you're like, eh, it's not that bad. God will just have mercy on me. I don't, I don't know. Or you're the personality that, that super worries about it. And you're like, wait a second. How, I need, I, I am, I'm not perfect. I mean, I sinned yesterday. I sinned today. Uh, oh my gosh, does this mean that I don't know the Lord because I make mistakes and I sin all the time? Hmm, what does it mean? Let's see. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought also himself to walk just as he walked. So, when we walk with God, there is real proof that we are with him. It's the way that we walk. Hi, dear. Um, come on in. You know, if you imagine yourself, like we've been thinking about going for a walk with God, um, imagine yourself holding his hand. 
And when we walk, holding someone's hand, it's different than when you walk alone. Have you ever been holding someone's hand, walking down the street, and they just don't know how to walk? Like they're just, they're changing their gait all the time. She looks at her husband like, that's you. Oh my gosh. Just kidding. Uh, you know, they're tripping, either they're tripping or they, they walk crooked. And you're like, come on. My wife says that to me all the time. She says I walk crooked when, when we're walking. Um, but when you hold their hand, a really funny, things happen, a funny thing happens is naturally your gait lines up and you start walking the same. Isn't that funny? It's a, it's, it happens like that. Um, I'm going to read Spurgeon quote, Spurgeon quote for the day. Those who think that God's grace, when fully, fairly, and plainly preached, lead men into sin, don't know what they say or what they affirm. Shall I hate God because he's kind to me? Shall I curse God because he blesses me? I venture to affirm that very few men respond or reason thus. So he's saying, you know, when you teach God's grace, like we do, and like the Bible does, you're going to have this, um, th- a few people who say, well, you can't teach God's grace because people will just take advantage and they'll just not care if they sin. But this is exactly what John is getting at right here. We don't have to worry about that. He says, going back to our first verse, we're going to kind of break it down now. Now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commands. It does, uh, does that mean that we always do what's right or never sin? No. It means that we always agree with God and his commandments are written on our hearts. Uh, God is a tattoo artist. Did you know that? I like tattoos. I would have more if I had money, but I do not. Um, <laughs> so I say that because in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, it says, uh, there's the prophecy of the new covenant. And the new covenant is a new way of working. Now, we all, all of us understand the old covenant. The old covenant is, here's 10 rules, keep them, and you go to heaven. Easy. That's the way everyone understands the old covenant. Even people who don't know Jesus at all know the old covenant. They probably like the old covenant. They probably even agree with the old covenant. But Nobody likes how strict the Old Covenant is. Because uh, does anyone know how strict the Old Covenant is? Extremely. Like, for example, what? There's no way to keep them. So if you break one rule one time in your entire life, you have broken the Old Covenant and you are damned to hell. You cannot. Uh, oh, but there was a way that God arranged for people to demonstrate faith, and that was through sacrificial uh, animal sacrifices in the temple. But guess what? That doesn't exist anymore. There's no temple, and I haven't seen anyone going around slitting some throats of some lambs here in Denver. So does that mean everyone is going to hell? Well, if you want to live by the old covenant, the answer is yes. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. In Jeremiah chapter 31, I'll just read uh, it to you. Um, It says, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, says the Lord. Uh, Not like the covenant I made when I took them out of Egypt, when I took them by the hand, uh, when I said, I'll be your God and and you'll be my people. But it was a covenant where, um, I'll give you the exact words. I thought I could quote it, but 
uh, my covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel and the house of Judah after those days. I will be their God and they shall be my people and I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. So I said God was a tattoo artist. He writes his law on their hearts. Then he says, uh, every man shall know me. Uh, no one's going to teach anyone saying, know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest, and I will forgive their iniquities and their sin will I remember no more. So we see the three aspects of the new covenant that are different than the old covenant. The new covenant says, I'm going to forgive sin. The old covenant never said that. It said it could be washed away or covered, not washed away, covered by by atoning sacrifices, but it never was completely taken away. And then the second thing is intimate knowledge. They are all going to know me, and that is seen in the in, not seen in the old covenant. Only the priests were able to talk to God. Okay, and then the coolest thing, and the thing that we're focusing on here, is that God writes His law on your mind and on your heart. He He tattoos them on your heart. What do you think that means? A Christian is a completely different thing than an unbeliever. Um, and the clearest way we can see that is, is by our relationship to sin, how what sin does, okay? There, there's a change in our relationship with sin when we come to believe in Jesus. He gets out his tattoo needle, and he starts working in our heart. He starts tattooing in our heart. He starts writing his law on our heart. And... Um, so what it looks like is that a Christian no longer loves sin like he used to. Another way you could say it is a Christian no longer brags about their sin like they used to. These are, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. It, we, it's most visible when we look at how we relate to sin. A, a, a Christian no longer plans sin like they used to. Do you guys remember the days of planning sin? First year of college? Right, bro? <laughs> this is going to be an epic Friday night party. Except you found the Jesus Burger House, right? All right. Um, Christian no longer fondly remembers sin as they once did. Oh, I remember that. That was so awesome. We were so mean to that girl. And a Christian, this is a big one, never fully enjoys sin like they used to like they once did. And a Christian no longer is comfortable in habitual sin, no matter how small, like they used to be. Our scripture says, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. You love sin? You're not a believer, period. You love it? I mean, it's just in your heart that you love that sin, you're not a believer. Now, some people get crazy on this. And let's say, let's say uh, someone is having an affair and they, um, they're saying that they love this new person. Is that right or wrong? Well, it's very wrong, okay? It's, uh, it's totally wrong. Um, but their heart is telling them, oh, I love this person. Well, their heart is choosing to love sin over God's law. 
and that get that if they're if they're willing to stay in that forever without repenting, that gives you a good sense of where they're at with God. You know, has that law truly been? But other people, they can be in an affair, they can be in the exact same situation, and their heart is dying, and their heart is breaking. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in there, and the Holy Spirit is desperately convicting them of that sin. So we don't always, I mean, the outside, we see the outside, oh, this is sin, but sometimes we don't see everything that's going on in the inside. Uh, But they know. They know if they hate their sin or if they love their sin, right? And that's why John says, this is how we know that we walk with God. And then he says, "Um, whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Uh, So you are the bride of Jesus. How does a bride act? Well, in my mind, they're faithful. They honor their husband even, uh, or excuse me, if their husband uh, gives them a promise, they receive it and believe it without doubting. I don't know very many wives who are like, well, my husband promised this, but uh, I'm never going to believe that. Even if it takes a while for that promise to come true, uh, because they love their husband, they're going to wait for it. Uh, Wesley said, I told you I would always come for you. Why didn't you wait for me? And then Buttercup responded, Well, you were dead. Wesley torted back, Death cannot stop true love. All it can do is delay it for a while. Buttercup said, I will never doubt again. Wesley said, there will never be a need. (laughs) I think this is what John is saying here. Whoever keeps his word, the love of God is truly perfected in him. This love relationship, like a marriage we have with the Lord, um, we're to, to keep the word of Jesus. It's his declaration of love to you. So that's why the word, being in the word like you talked about every morning, you're giving weight and you're giving importance to his promises and his way of communicating to you. He's given us his word as the way that he communicates with us. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit to affirm it and to to emphasize the things he needs to emphasize in our hearts. Um, The last little part here, he says, "By, by this we know that we're in him. He who abides in him ought to himself to walk just as he walked. So your outward life will reflect what's on the inside period your outward life will reflect what's on the inside give it enough time people cannot hide if they don't have the word the the law of god written in their hearts by the power of the new covenant they can't hide it forever and it just comes out after time and we don't have to be like little sin snivers trying to figure out everything that's wrong in people's lives the lord's going to bring it out and if they really want to uh, come to church they'll come to church if they really want to honor God, they'll honor God. These, the, if they really want to love, if that's really in their heart, then they'll love. Now, where does that come from? It comes from that new heart. You're either filled with the life, heart, and spirit of Jesus, or you're merely hum- human. If you're not sure, then just come to the cross and ask for it with humility and faith. Um, the only way you're not going to get an answer if you do that is if you ask with pride or with doubt. Um, I don't really need you, but everyone says I should do this. 
That's pride. And you will not have a new heart. I don't really think you can or will do what you said you would do or what everyone else tells me you would do, but this is what my parents said I need to do. This is what my pastor said I need to do. So I'm just going to do it. That's doubting. That's no, there's no faith in the actual promises of God in that. So that's our encouragement for the today, is, uh, is, to, is to walk with God and to know that you're walking with God by whether your heart has the law, God's law, God's love written on it. If you have that, you have great confidence in we're brothers and sisters in the Lord.